thank you, God, that we were able to get up this morning and come to this place. Thank you, God, for the breath that is in our lungs. Thank you, God, for the cool morning that we uh, were able to wake up to. We thank you that you've given to us the church, which is a place of strength and encouragement. We thank you even for our struggles this morning as we count them all joy because you are with us. We thank you for our weaknesses even because your strength is even stronger in our weakness. We thank you for what we've walked through, the, the fires that we've walked through and the nights that you've got us through. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We thank you for the provision that you've given to us. Thank you for the food upon our tables. And we thank you for the generosity that you've given to us so that we can share with others. We thank you for Jesus, who is the head of the church. We thank you for his life that we have a witness to through the Holy Scriptures. We thank you for how his love carries us through everything that we go through in this life and this life and to the next. So thank you, Jesus, for being everything to us. Thank you, Jesus, for being the king of all kings. Thank you, Jesus, for letting us claim you as Lord of our lives. We look to you today and we ask for your help and your healing, just that you would come near to us in these moments, we pray, as we pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, good morning. It's great to see you. Welcome to Providence Church. My name is Jacob Armstrong. I'm one of the pastors here. I welcome those of you who are joining us uh, for our 8 a.m. live service. We're so glad that you join us each week. I have some exciting uh, news to share with you about our Christmas services. Are you ready for it? All right. <laughs> well, Christmas is coming before we know it, and we just wanted y'all to have a head start as you were heading into Thanksgiving week to know what our plan and schedule was for that weekend. I know many of you will be with people and meeting with people who may be in for the holidays at that time or making plans. So you can just see there we're going to have five services over the weekend, one on Saturday evening and then four on Christmas Eve. The one thing that I would most want my eight o'clock people to notice about this weekend is that there is no eight o'clock service on the 24th. If you come at eight o'clock, you can hang out with me and Mark in the lobby and we'll drink coffee and get ready for the next service. But to get all of our services in that weekend at different times, you'll see there, there are very different times for the weekend. So you'll be seeing this for a month, uh, but we'd love for you to go ahead and begin to make plans when you wanna come. It really helps us. Our practice here is to go to uh, prov.church slash save your seat and let us know when you're coming. If we know when our folks who normally come are coming, we can make room for, we'll, we'll, ha we'll have multiple 
thousands of people that come here that night that don't normally come. And we love them and we want them to hear all about Jesus. And that's why we're trying to make all those plans leading up to that. Another exciting thing that you'll hear a bunch about is that we give our offering away that weekend. It's our largest offering of the year. We give 100% away. And again, we're going to tell you this for, for four more weeks, but I wanted you to know uh, the recipients of the offering this year will be two organizations that we love, love, love. One is called Hananiah House, which is right here in the Nashville area that takes care of women who are coming out of prison, who've been incarcerated. It's a place where they live, uh, get skills to get back with their families, back with their children. And their ministry, which we've supported for a little, a little while now, is expanding from one home to three, and they need financial means to take care of uh, these very, very precious women. The second project will be a brand new thing that we'll be partnering with for years to come. It's brand new, uh, but we are partnering with a, an organization called Compassion International to start a compassion center in a, in a far-off community in Peru where there are 150 children who we will begin to take care of from the moment that they are in their mother's wombs. And we'll be providing prenatal care for these kids to grow up. There'll be all kinds of ways for you to partner with them. But the Christmas Eve offering will be renovating a building to create a center where there's medical care, social workers, uh, uh, Bible teachers, all kinds of things in a place in Peru. It's going to be a big project that will take multi-years. You'll be hearing all about it. I just wanted that in your heart because what we do during December is we pray uh, for God to give us a spirit of generosity that we, in light of Jesus' sacrifice, would make a great sacrifice for others. And it's always a miracle. So I uh, can't wait to tell you more about it. We are, uh, you guys want to look at Luke today? Yeah. All right, let's go back to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. And we're picking up where we left off next week. If you weren't here last week, uh, you're really right at the very beginning. You haven't missed anything but a bit of a prologue from Luke telling us why he wrote this gospel. He said he wrote it so that we could have certainty about what we've been taught about Jesus. And now we get the first story in the book of Luke, verse 5 through 25. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he, Zechariah, was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord." And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he'll go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent 
and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them and they realized that he'd seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Luke gets the chance to tell the grand story of Jesus. He knows the whole thing. He has eyewitness accounts. He's been storing it up in his heart. He knows that it culminates with the greatest moment in human history, a universe-shaking moment in the city of Jerusalem when Jesus goes to the cross and is crucified for our sins and then three days later has risen from the grave. Luke gets to tell that story. And he chooses to start the story with Zechariah and Elizabeth. It's an interesting start to a story that's all about Jesus. Matthew does something different in his gospel. He seizes the moment and begins his story at the very beginning to link Jesus with Father Abraham. Very important. John does something different as well. He decides to link Jesus all the way back to the very creation beginning of time, saying Jesus is actually the word of God that is spoken into creation to create everything. What a beginning, right? Luke starts with an old man and an old woman who nobody's ever heard of. Luke starts with a couple who knows discouragement intimately. Luke starts with two people who just did what they were supposed to with their lives, went to work every day, and were faithful. Luke starts his whole story. I mean, trust me, he can't wait to get to Jesus. But before he tells us about Jesus, he tells this story about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Last week when we were starting this journey through the book of Luke, I said that we would look for some signposts along the way, four signs. And if you have your little journal and want to write these down, it might be a good time to do that. Four signs in Luke that we'll see all throughout it. Lost things, Jerusalem, prediction, and miracles. And right here off the bat, Luke, I think, is being very specific to let us know that the people who are going to be included in the story of Jesus have a big component of feeling far away from God far away from other people. Zachariah and Elizabeth are lost in some ways. Not lost from God, but they've lost a lot of time. They've lost, no doubt, uh, sleepless nights. Because we realize and we'll hear about the discouragement and disappointment that they encountered, they have those kind of days when you walk through the haze of grief and um, brokenness. Zachariah and Elizabeth represent the lost things that Jesus is coming for. And God shows up to Zechariah in this story. We're going to look back at many of the verses I just read. God shows up to Zechariah on a normal work day. He's a priest and he's going to the temple. It says, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was this priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. What I want you to see here is Luke does not start his story by saying, once upon a time in a land far, far away. He starts his story with very specific information. 
to say, I want to tell you precisely where this happened, when it happened, and to whom it happened. Luke is setting up to show us that he is a great historian and biographer, and the story he is going to tell us is not a fairy tale to Luke. It's eyewitness accounts. It's something that he has seen and witnessed and been brought to him. When? In the days of Herod, who, he was the king of Judea. There was this priest. Here was his name. Here was the division of his company. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. We are introduced to them by being told that they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. So we don't know a lot about Elizabeth and Zechariah. Really just sort of three things. They were faithful, they were old, and they were never able to have a child. I would imagine that there were a lot of things that happened in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life. What would it be like for you if your life towards the end had to be summed up with three things? Zechariah and Elizabeth, we're told they were faithful, they were old, and they had been unable to have any children. Luke in his story is going to show us why that last piece of information, their lack of children, was something that they had carried in a very special way. It doesn't have to mean that for everyone, but we see for Zachariah and Elizabeth, there was a certain heart connection to this disappointment in their life. And it says, while Zechariah was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So maybe a once in a lifetime experience for Zechariah, we don't know, but he was gonna be the one who would represent the people of God to go in the most holy place of God and burn incense as a way of representing the prayers, the supplications of the people of Israel who were waiting for a savior and a Messiah. It was a very important job. It was not just a normal day for Zechariah. But what I want us to notice at first is that Zechariah is found in the temple. Luke starts his story in the temple. Anybody wanna guess where the temple was? It was in Jerusalem. Here's the map. Jerusalem circled right here in the center of Israel. Luke's gonna barely take a breath before we head north to Galilee. See the region at the top, around the sea? I mean, at the, at the very next verse, after we read in Luke, we are gonna be up there in Galilee and we're gonna be meeting the famous characters of the story. <laughs> I can't wait. He's gonna do, a, we're gonna spend a lot of time in Galilee because that's where Jesus spent a lot of time. But the whole book of Luke is a movement towards Jerusalem, that the things that will happen in Jerusalem are the things that we really need to know about. And so, perhaps not by accident, Luke starts the story right there, in the holy place, in the temple, on the mount in Jerusalem. Zechariah has no sooner walked into this place by himself as the appointed priest of that time that there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. It was a big moment. It was something he wasn't expecting, just like we wouldn't be expecting if we went in to do our job one day and there was an angel of the Lord standing there. Zechariah, the next verse says, was troubled when he saw him, the angel, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him an oft-repeated line in the scriptures to afraid people of God. He says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. He knows his name, for your prayer has been heard. I mean, this is just right off the bat, man. 
He says, your prayer's been heard, Zechariah, and your wife, he knows her name, Elizabeth, is gonna have a son, and here's the name you should give him. It's a name that's not even one of their family names. You shall name him John. The angel does not say, hey, Zechariah, do you remember way back when, when you may have prayed a prayer about a child? He, he doesn't say, do you remember when you and Elizabeth used to talk about uh, wanting to have a baby? He says, your prayer has been heard. It, it's, it's an indicator to us that this is the prayer of his heart. Was old Zechariah praying that prayer as he walked into the temple that day? Perhaps not. But he needed no qualifiers, the angel did, to let Zechariah know which prayer he was talking about. He said, the prayer, the prayer of your heart, Zechariah, has been heard. He lets us know that almost with certainty, Zechariah and Elizabeth have carried for years and years a prayer for children that, that I'm sure that in some ways it was an ache for them, something they had longed for. It represents disappointment. It represents discouragement. If you've ever had a great prayer in your life, a great hope in your life, a great way that you hoped your life would go or your life would look and it doesn't look that way and that thing hasn't happened or you may be walking through that thing you know, right now, that that's the thing that the angel says to Zechariah. Zechariah is supposed to be coming and lifting up the prayers of the people. We need a Messiah, we need a savior. The incense represents the supplications of all the people of God, of all of Israel. But the angel says to Zechariah, I've heard your heart. I know what you're going through. I know your struggle. I see your disappointment, old man, and your prayer has been heard. Elizabeth's gonna have a baby and you're supposed to name him John. Crazy moment, right? It's a crazy moment for Zechariah to take it all in as he begins to hear the description of his son who will be clearly, he knows the scriptures, the one who is described as the forerunner to the Savior and the Messiah coming. A one like Elijah who would prepare the way for someone to come. He's being told, old Zechariah, who's nearing retirement, you know, who can see the finish line, is being told, nope, you got a bunch more to go. You're gonna be a daddy. And so Zechariah has to take that information in and Zechariah has one thing that he just feels like he has to say. He just, he just feels like he has to say, okay, how? How? He says, how am I going to, he has to go home. To, <laughs> I don't want to get too detailed, but I mean, he has, to, he has to go home to Elizabeth and say, you know, <laughs> He says, so he's just sort of like, how do I know? For I'm an old man and my, and my wife is advancing years. You know, here's the deal. You should never, ever say that your wife is an old lady. <laughs> and if you're gonna say that, if you feel like you have to say that to someone, the only person you should say that to is God, okay? So if you ever feel like I just need to, I just need to say that my wife is an old lady, you take that little thing, brother, and you take it to the Lord. Okay, so Zechariah would have never guessed that this intimate conversation he was having with God would now be being reported all over the world 2,000 years later. But that shows you 
where Zachariah was at. That shows you how deep that prayer is. I'm not being silly now, I'm saying he has to go back and tell his wife the thing that they'd given up on, they have to open their hearts back up to it again. (laughs) That the thing they've been broken over, you know, isolated over, discouraged by, he has to be the messenger that goes back and says, this is what God told me. So he's asking the angel, how shall I know what you're saying is true? And the angel gives a great answer. He says, I'm Gabriel. (laughs) He's like, her to me? Gabriel, the most famous angel of the Old Testament scriptures who showed up to Daniel. He's saying to Zachariah, he's like, you're looking at Gabriel. Gabriel, who's about to show up to a teenage girl in Galilee. And he says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you, and I was sent to to bring you this good news. And Gabriel's kind of a bad dude, okay? He says, and you're not going to be able to talk anymore. (laughs) You thought you needed to say something, didn't you? Yeah. (laughs) The angel says, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you do not believe my words. You know, sometimes even when God is working, there's strange, weird things that happen that constrain us and hold us back and keep us from doing things. And he says, you didn't believe my words, but the words will be revealed or fulfilled in their time. Uh, After that, uh, Zechariah shift is coming to an end. I want you to hear the next few verses. I think they have an interesting, I think they have a cool feel to them if you just kind of think about what has just happened and then hear what now happens. It says, the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. There's all these people gathered in the temple outside of Jerusalem for this holy moment. And, and Zechariah has been in there too long. And it says, when he came out, he was unable to speak to them And they realized that he'd seen a vision in the temple. He kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. He clocked out and he went back to Elizabeth. It says, after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, the Lord's done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among my people. If an old lady, if I can say that, um, has a baby well beyond childbearing years, that is called a miracle. So let's look at our signs again in the very first story. We have some lost things that are in Jerusalem that receive a prediction that is fulfilled by a miracle. Luke ain't messing around. He's beginning to show us the whole story. It's a very important, it's a very important lesson because he's showing us the thing that Jesus has come to do is going to be revealed in the people who feel that they have been lost and forgotten. I promise you that Luke's intent and his hope is to tell us all about Jesus. He can't wait to tell us about the teenage girl who receives a similar message from an angel. It's actually, guys, it's so cool. Luke's the only one who tells us the details of Jesus' birth 
we would never hear about the shepherds and the wise men. There'd be no nativity scenes if not for Luke and his desire to tell us the details about the, the birth of Jesus. It, it, it's, the, it's the great you know, culmination of all that has been coming through all the predictions and all the prophecies. And it's why we'll spend you know, a month uh, talking about in a season called Advent, what we see in the stories. We prepare for a baby to come, a, a holy baby who is the word made flesh, who is the one who comes from Father Abraham. But Luke, before he can tell us that, tells us about two faithful people whose hearts were broken who God showed up to and said, you, you, my children, are in the story. I'm coming, I'm coming for you. And so we see right here off the bat that faithful folks experience discouragement. I want you to hear that. It could be, it could be an important thing to hear today because sometimes we think that um, our discouragement is because we've been unfaithful. And if we think that only unfaithfulness is, is the place of discouragement, we'll get a real misunderstanding of walking in faith before God because actually faithful folks experience discouragement. Faithful folks experience discouragement. We also see in this story that God has a really big plan, but he also cares about our little plans. Isn't that cool? You could think that your plans are so little in comparison to with the bigness of God's plans that they don't matter, but that's not what the story says at all. It says while God is working this big cosmic universal plan for all of humanity, he also cares about your prayers. He cares about your prayers and he cares about your plans. And then this third one that I wanna share with you is this. This story shows us, begins to show us that our unbelief can't stop God's promises. That might sound like a little bit of a tricky theological statement, but you see that Zechariah, the angel said, you don't believe this is gonna happen, but it's gonna happen. And there's gonna be some consequences of your unbelief. <laughs> there are consequences when we walk through life not believing in God, but they do not hinder the ultimate promises of God happening in the world. Our humanness is not the barrier for God's promises being fulfilled. Our humanness is the reason God is bringing this great promise of salvation and redemption and our discouragement and our hopes and our dreams coming to life. So if you feel discouraged today, don't give up. Okay? If you feel discouraged today, don't give up because discouragement happens even in the faithful life. And if, if, uh, you know, if you're thinking, um, I'm not really sure God could care about all that's going on in my life, uh, I wanna tell you that actually, um, don't fool yourself. You care about your little plans and God cares about your little plans. He actually cares about the things you're hoping for and cares about the things you're praying for. How those will be fulfilled and in what timing is ultimately up to God but his care and his desire is being, is being shown through this great story. And if you're having trouble believing, if you're a doubter, if you're struggling, if, if because of your struggle in life, you're really struggling with God, I just wanna tell you, that's not gonna keep Jesus from coming. His faithfulness is 
true and is not dependent. Now, again, our, our disbelief will have all kinds of consequences for our life, but Jesus is coming no matter what. And that's the season that we're stepping into as we journey towards Christmas is that, hey guys, good news. He's heard your heart. He knows what you're longing for. He knows your struggle. He knows your disease. He knows your heartbreak. He knows that you're doubting. (laughs) He knows that that's made your heart get hardened a little bit or crusty or bitter or whatever. And Jesus is still coming. He's coming into the world and he's coming to save us. Let us pray. Thank you, God, that we get to step into and off into this grand story. And we thank you for Zachariah and Elizabeth. Thank you that they told the story of how God showed up in their life. Help us to hear that for us today, the same things that God said to them, that our prayers are being heard and that Jesus is coming. Would you just hear our hearts right now, God, as we've come into our our little temple? Hear our discouragement, hear our disappointment. And now allow us to hear from you.